0: Do you wonder about past lives? Have you ever thought about where your soul has been, where it's going, or what lessons and memories have been gathered along the way? In this podcast, we will discuss past life memories, psychic phenomena, energy healing, and other metaphysical topics with experts and the average person to find out how we can heal through these experiences. So I invite you to join me on my journey. Welcome to the Regression Session. You didn't tell your wife you're going on a podcast? (laughs) Wow! Welcome back to the Regression Session. My name is Ian, and welcome to the Regression Session to any new listeners. Thanks for tuning in. We love you. This week, before we get started with any introductions or anything like that, I just want to let you know that you matter, and you are exactly who you are meant to be right now. You're doing a great job. Be nicer to yourself. <laughs> We're all so mean to ourselves and me included. And one thing that I'm going to challenge anybody listening to this to do is I'm going to make a Facebook thread on my Facebook page. What I want you to do is I want you to tell me one or two things that you actually love love or like about yourself. Lie of... either what you know like or love about yourself we're so quick to compliment others but complimenting ourselves is kind of hard sometimes so I would love to hear what you love about yourself and I will start off that Facebook thread on my Facebook page link in the description if you want to participate in that this week we're going to be talking to Joshua Turhune. Joshua is a licensed mental health counselor who practices traditional talk therapy and EMDR and has been for about 10 years now so it's safe to say he knows exactly what he's talking about in this episode we go over the benefits and shortcomings of traditional talk therapy and kind of talk about where the disconnect is between what I do and and what traditional talk therapy does. And I really, I've been so excited to release this episode. Me and Joshua, we covered a lot of stuff, and we got really into kind of the nitty-gritty of talk therapy. Um, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Joshua. Hey, Joshua, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely man i've I've seriously been looking forward to talking to you about this in front of a massive audience to put you on the spot in as many possible ways as I can and just absolutely abuse your time. Uh, but before I do that, I would like for you, if you could, just tell my audience a little bit about you. <laughs> God, that sounded so dumb. <laughs> if you could tell my audience just a little bit about you, you know, who you are, your background, Your field. uh, We want to know about your, you know, what you do specifically would be great.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah. I'm Joshua Terhune. I am a licensed mental health counselor in Indiana. Um, I've been practicing for about a little over 10 years now. Um, Specialize in depression and trauma. Um, I work with a wide range of people. I've, I started out working with kids, and I still work with a lot of kids, um, but I also work with teens and adults as well. Um, Trained in uh, EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is uh, a version of reprocessing traumatic experiences, and um, uh, IFS, which is internal family systems, and that is um, a way to basically kind of understand, develop, better insight into ourselves than others.
0: So you know what you're talking about then. Like you, you're a professional, you're an expert.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, have testified in courts a lot of times and they, they seem to think so. So
0: there you go. That's good enough for me, man. So for you and my audience, I've already, you already know why I asked you to come on here, but let me uh-huh. explain to my audience, like why is a person who isn't necessarily into the metaphysical stuff. You're not into any of that. You're not into the past lives. You're not into the Reiki. You're not into astral travel. None of that stuff.
1: I've heard of Reiki. I I don't know much about that. I'd be interested to learn more, but other stuff, nah, not really.
0: You're just a normal therapist,
1: dude. (laughs) Yeah, I'm normal.
0: Yeah, you're a normal (laughs) dude. So why on earth would I ask you to come on here? Well, that's a great question myself and and to my audience. The reason I had Joshua come on my show is to talk about kind of like the uh the disconnect between traditional talk therapies and what I do. And and we're going to get into that a little bit more, but there's I have some theories, and I and I wanted to kind of talk about that with a therapist. And and Joshua just kind of fell into my lap, and I was like, "Great! <laughs> so let's do it, man." So yeah, let's go. I, I kind of, I seriously just want to have like a, like a straight, dead ass conversation with you. Yeah, I'll. I want to, and I'm going to present this to you in a way where you can tell me what you do, and then I'll tell you what I do. And then we can kind of be, then kind of break that down and unbox that. Does that sound like a plan? Okay, yeah. Yeah, cool. that sounds good. So, the question that I'm going to ask you right out of the gate is this. Sally comes to your office. And Sally has clearly has trauma that she wants to work through. She comes in, she tells you, "Hey, I've got trauma from from whatever. I don't necessarily want to talk about it, but I I feel like I need to." So, what mm-hmm. is like if if you had like an ideal, I would love for this to happen. When a person comes in to you, what would the process be ideally, from point A to Z? They walk in your office, and then they they leave your office at the final session. Okay. Does that make sense? That question. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? Like what does what does like the ideal kind of therapy look like for someone coming in that has trauma
0: yes that's okay
1: cool well yeah so uh first session is is the assessment so that is basically getting to understand their life from like a broad perspective you know what is bringing them into therapy why now why at this moment and not you know six months ago um understanding their previous experiences in therapy what are their goals you know they they want to process their trauma. Like, well, what is that going to do for them? How is that going to make their life any better? How, what the, what would that look like on a day to day basis? And how do we know we're we're getting to that point? Um, and then being able to um, identify if their their level of safety. Are they using substances? Are they at risk of like say we start processing trauma and they go back to using? heroin and overdose like that's we we need to make sure that they're stabilized first or if they start processing trauma and they're actually in an abusive relationship and then you know confront their abuser that might not be a safe situation to process trauma in that moment um so making sure um they're safe uh they have uh, their their medical history, making sure that their their medical needs are met um, that way, because maybe some of the stuff is being caused due to medical issues. And so making sure though those bases are covered. Um, and I think what else? That would be like the first session, understanding like what specific uh, traumas that they are. Wanting to reprocess, what sort of um, stress management and coping skills that they have? Um, assessing their their readiness to to go there, because um, sometimes need to do like some stabilization work uh, to help them get to a place to where they're strong enough to start going through the deep stuff, um, and so. So making sure that they're stabilized, first step. Second step is reprocessing, going through all the icky bits and getting it all out, basically desensitizing them to everything that's happened. And then the third phase is either installation or integrating the trauma and installing newer, healthier, more adaptive beliefs about themselves and others. And then they're ready to to fly the nest and and conquer the world.
0: Okay, so I got you. Safety is definitely a priority. I I totally agree with that. I have a lot of up-and-coming regression and hypnosis practitioners that listen to my show. Uh, I can't stress this enough. Make sure that your client is in a safe place and is in a safe position to be doing this kind of work and that's, that's a huge priority. Um, so thank you for saying that. And then the second thing you said was you want to get them or you want to make sure that they're at a point or get them to a point to start to process the icky stuff is what you said. Yeah. So what does that look like? What does processing the icky stuff look like? Like what is it that you're trying to get them to do? Uh,
1: trying to get them so I, I use EMDR and what you want to do is um, assess their subjective units of distress that we, we call it suds. So on a scale from zero to 10, how distressing is this memory for you? And we want that down to either a zero or a, a one or a two if um, you know if, if it they, if it's valid to be a little bit concerned about it like, you know crossing the street like you should be a little anxious about it that way you don't get hit by a car um so making sure so basically getting it down to where they are are fine with with uh reminders of the trauma and they don't have to like react
0: and how do you go about doing that
1: uh reprocessing it
0: yeah so i guess what i'm asking is like and this is gonna be jumping right into like the meat of what I wanted to talk to you about, like pretty mm-hmm. early. Um, you want them to talk about it, right?
1: Um, they for don't the most have part to, for the most part they don't have to talk about it, but but yeah, they have to have it in their awareness and and help me understand if we're going in the right direction or if things are are blocked. Gotcha. Yeah, because
0: so, my understanding of traditional therapists. Is that they want you to, let's just say people, just for like a metaphor, people take their trauma and their anxieties and their depressions and stuff and they stick it in a box and then they close that box and they try to duct tape it shut and hide it away in the closet. From my understanding of traditional therapies and my experience with traditional therapies is they want you to get that box, pull it out, take the tape off, open it up and start unboxing things. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a decent interpretation of the typical process or am I off base?
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 yeah I would definitely agree with that. So yeah. Traditional therapy, like un, you know, take the tape off, look at parts in the box, examine them, get them back to a, a, a good spot where they don't need to be in the box or the box can be um, opened easier and the things in the box aren't causing the pain.
0: Okay, gotcha. So what's like the typical expectation of like time you have to spend to unbox things in order for that to happen?
1: Uh so so typically I guess the big thing is it really depends on on the person, depends on kinda on what they've been through, their current life situation. Um, depends on uh, their ego strength, how well they're able to essentially be resilient within that and be able to challenge themselves. Because uh, some people shy away at the first sign of something that's going to really alter their perspective on things. Um, so it depends on some of those factors. Uh, typically... Usually takes about 12 to 18 sessions. And is so, that like
0: typically about, like weekly or monthly or?
1: Oh, uh, weekly. So you could expect anywhere between three, three to four months.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Cause I've known people who've been in therapy for years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people, some people go for years. Um, Typically, that's very like insight oriented. It's not necessarily uh, trauma based. It can be. Um, there's some people that have been through uh, what's called the complex trauma, which is uh, childhood abuse and neglect. Uh, Just terrible, childhood. terrible things. Absolutely, absolutely mess yeah. up
0: your psyche from like the beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah, and your ability to attach and bond and form healthy relationships with people. Um, absolutely, it's going to take years, so that way you can learn how to have good relationships with, with your romantic partner, with your friends, because as, as babies, that's when our brains and our nervous systems are wired to bond and connect, and if those bonds and connections aren't made at that time, and you're doing this when you're 20, 30, 40 years old, like the saying goes you can't teach an old dog new tricks like your your brain and your nervous system is going to take longer for that to uh for the for that those healthy secure attachment systems to to develop
0: okay gotcha so typically three to four months yeah of time okay and 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 the reason i'm asking you it might sound a little random to people listening, like, why are you asking these questions, Ian? Well, let me let me just say, I'll, I'll tell you exactly why I'm asking these questions, is because let's just say, and, and I will preface this by saying I am not a therapist, okay? I'm not a psychologist. I have taken psychology courses because I, I felt that was necessary at the beginning of this work to, to have that background, but but i didn't have time or the money to go get a degree in any of that stuff but i but like i said i have taken i've i've done tons of research whatever but that in no way makes me certified or qualified so i will preface this by saying that so as far as anyone like like official out there is concerned i'm nobody right <laughs> like universities would laugh me off a of stage and that's okay but what i would like to know is why does it take so long
1: why does what takes so long?
0: Why does it take, typically, three to four months f- to process that trauma?
1: Mm, okay, I would say it it takes longer. I think I think this is probably going to be might might go on on a rant here because because yeah like I know go on the rant. You 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 and I have so so well. Obviously, I'm a therapist, so we always got to talk about Sigmund Freud psychoanalysis started under hypnosis and a lot of the early work that he did with hysteria um, was done through hypnosis and what what Freud found in these hysterical women was a lot of sexual trauma it just got popping up and up and and he made so many connections like he started like his his colleagues and his friends like wanted him to like analyze their daughters because they were hysterical. And so he started putting these connections like, oh, like my friends are like, you know, are they are they pervers, perverts or like there's no way that all these women can be sexually abused. And so instead of leaning into, yes, sexual abuse is rampant, it's an epidemic, he went the other way and was like no nah, they they're they're lying they're making it up and so he uh moved away from hypnosis into more of the the free association uh, type thing and and it has been taking longer because hold on uh it it takes longer cuz hypnosis has really helped with Developing a focus into your internal experience, understanding what's going on and where it's coming from. Instead of having that internal critic in your head of saying, no, don't say that, or being distracted, it essentially lets your your subconscious go where it needs to go and find the healing and get rid of the, the traumatic infection. And what... What researchers have noticed is hypnosis has, has ebbed and flowed, and it has to do with war. Uh, it came about in World War I, World War II, the Korean War. Uh, they all recommended hypnosis for PTSD. It came about in the 70s with the Vietnam War. And now you, and now for for therapists, it's being packaged as EMDR, or Accelerated Resolution Therapy, um, and we've had the Iraq and Afghanistan wars because a lot of the research, so it's evidence based, is, is funded from from the VA, and so it gets the gold standard treatment which then gets more people to, to buy into these interventions. So, so then it gets enough support for, for therapists to be trained in these interventions and for potential clients to start asking and requesting it and for insurances to, to reimburse for it.
0: So in order to, like, practice these things with people, there has to be some kind of a legality uh, check on it, right? Like the government or or whatever ruling body has to come in and say, okay, you know what? This is approved. We've done some, you know, quote-unquote research on it, and we uh-huh. can now prove this to be used for clinical purposes, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be trained in it, bare minimum, Ideally, they want you to be certified, but, you know, the treatment needs to be evidence based and shown to work or insurance won't pay for it because it's like, oh, you're just wagging your finger around and you're wasting our money like they won't pay for it. And then, yeah, nothing's going to happen.
0: I get you. That makes sense to me.
1: And so. This is going
0: to sound, like, really shitty, but from from the outside, like, as a person who's looking at it from the outside, it just kind of seems like a money mill.
1: I mean, I really wasn't, like, trying to go there, but it's capitalism.
0: Right, because yes. you have people—the the plain and simple truth is you have people—not everyone, Right. There's still some of that stuff that goes on where where I'm at too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. There, yeah, there does need to be like regulations and oversight to make sure people are practicing in in ethical and safe and effective manners. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and there's definitely a, you know a lot of people try to do the whole money mill thing here in in this kind of a bubble where I'm at of like past lives, metaphysical hypnosis stuff like that and really there's not really any regulations regarding hypnosis anyway um at least in america and but but at the same time you do have a lot of people that that do practice it ethically or at least try to to the best of their ability you know Mm -hmm. and they get crazy good results Right. And they're only charging like for the most part, like I feel like the most common thing that people charge is either like some people will charge as low as $50 Uh and some people will charge. There's some people and these are the people that I don't really care for is the people who charge like five hundred, six hundred dollars a session. But, you know, the like the middle ground that most people charge is like one hundred sixty bucks. Okay, because they have to make a they have to you know, people got to pay their bills and I'm I'm all about that. I'm all about it. But, but you know, they get crazy good results for the most part. You know, we I've had, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm not qualified to diagnose anybody. But if I was going to diagnose them, I've I've had people with, like, complex PTSD come to me and say, hey, this is destroying my life. And what? one session, and I didn't even charge this person, one session... They're back on their feet, right? Yeah, yeah, And they're out the door and they called me a year, not call me, but contact me a year later just to, cause I'm like, Hey, feel free to keep in touch mm-hmm. and they can contact me with me. They're like, Hey man, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm doing fabulous. That, that never bugged me again. So like, I guess the question is like, what's the disconnect between, you know, the certified, therapy that people spend thousands and thousands of dollars to go to school and get degrees for. And then the people like me who have to do it for quote unquote entertainment purposes only for legality reasons. And then all of a sudden, like it's one session versus four months, or maybe, you know, I've had one, one person, that's it. One person that had to come back from multiple sessions, but that's it so far. But even that was only like one or two sessions. I never had a person come back and say I need 12 sessions to to do this. Anything after that is just like, hey, let's let's explore consciousness. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that what's what's your opinion? Like what's the what's the disconnect?
1: Why is why? <laughs> I I think maybe some of the disconnect is uh maybe motivations or intentions people coming to you, they are expecting it to be done and over with relatively quickly. One, two sessions. Whereas the expectancy for for therapy is 12, 18 months or years. I've even been called an emotional hooker before. Like it's part of it is like paid companionship. (laughs) Like they just want a friend, somebody to talk to. And like, even I, I feel that way too. Like I'm, I'm on the fence about either looking for a therapist or trying a hypnotherapist. And part of it is like, you know, I'm in my mid thirties, all of my friends, they're working, they've got jobs, they've got families. It's hard for me to like hang out with people on a regular basis. And it's like, well, do I see a therapist? And so I can talk to somebody and have that. So I can have a friend. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so you really think that's like the, the biggest disconnect?
1: I don't think that's necessarily the biggest disconnect. I, I, I think it's probably that people don't think that it can happen that quickly. Like, oh, so
0: it sounds too good to be true.
1: Yeah. So I remember uh, doing my first training for EMDR and um, watching like a demonstration video with a kid and just seeing – essentially like the trauma just like being like released from his body. And I remember in my head, I was like, now I know why there was the Salem witch trials because it seemed like magic. It was just like, right. What, what is this? Like,
0: like, this can't happen. This isn't real. Yeah. Like Th- that nobody... kid is lying. Th- this is a setup.
1: Yeah. It's like, what what's going on here? Like, Oh, you're just given like the best, you know, you're, you're just cherry picking. Like, it was like, no,
0: you're not. No, it's it's not. You know, and what's crazy, man, is that I am like ninety nine, okay, ninety eight percent confident because I've had a couple people, like literally one person that basically refused to enter into hypnosis, and then one person that came back for multiple sessions. And that's about it. Right but like, so ninety eight percent confident that if if you walked up to me and said, "Hey, I have trauma, or I have anxiety, or I have whatever," I could I could do a session with you. And it would be, if not fixed, it would be exponentially better Mm -hmm. after one session. Okay. And here's the thing too. And I want to get your thoughts on this because I said that I was going to talk to you about my process. And please, if I've been questioning you, if you have a question, I would love to answer it for you. Okay. Okay. So if someone comes to me, Sally comes to me, I've got, I've got trauma. Hey, Sally, sorry about your trauma. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, Sally doesn't even have to tell me about her trauma. She doesn't even have to tell me what happened to her. I don't have to know unless she wants to tell me. Like, Uh if she wants to tell me, you know, whatever happened to her, that's totally fine. And I will sit there and I will listen to her. And I will say, you know, I'm so sorry. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't have to know. Because I classify myself for multiple reasons. One of them is the legality part in Utah specifically. Um, As a, like a transformational life coach, right? Okay. And as a transformational life coach, I am not a therapist. And I make this extremely, extremely clear. I am not a therapist. I make people sign a waiver acknowledging I am not a therapist. This is not what this is because essentially the difference between a therapist and what I do is a therapist and this is just my opinion, they will, they will have you or the goal is like we kind of talked about to spend a little bit of time unboxing that trauma and spending time in that trauma and breaking it down. And, and like you said, desensitizing you. So you're going to spend time looking at, and those people are trained in psychology to try to avoid triggering people and all that stuff. Right. And, What I do is I don't even focus on what happened. All I focus is how can we move forward because I don't have to know. And I'll explain why if you you want to know, like, my reasoning behind this. Yeah, sure. Okay. So essentially to me, I look at it like this, and, and I think that this will make a lot of sense to you because I've been looking at how to present this in a way that's easily digestible for skeptics. Right? Yeah. Yep. So let's start from the beginning for forever for eons. Thousands of years humans have lived in this world physically, right? It's been all about pure instinctual survival. We've had to struggle, we've had to fight, we've had to scrape by and get food, we've had to fight disease, we've had to stay warm, all that stuff. And then recently, we've got to a point as a society where okay, now we don't really necessarily have to scrape by every day. You know, obviously there's exceptions out there. But for the most part, at least in the Western world, most people have it way better. Even the poorest of the poor here have it way better than the poorest of the poor did a thousand plus years ago. And so now we start to realize, hey, you know what? We're not just experiencing this world physically, we're also experiencing this world mentally. And that's where we see things like, oh, you you had you got uh, your psyche was messed up as a kid, right? All these mental connections got messed up as a kid. Or whatever, like you have PTSD, that's all, like it messed up your head, right? That's like a common thing that people will say is like, oh, that messed with your head. Uh-huh. But what really people exist as in this, oh, let me just start over on that. So really how people exist in this world is physically, mentally, and energetically slash emotionally, right? So we have, I use energetically and emotionally as the same thing because to me, yeah. emotions are energy, and I'm yeah. sure that you could see that. Like, where's the most common place people get like all pent up because of stress? It's their shoulders, but, typically. Yeah. You know, people will like do this or they'll like clench their jaw. Yeah. So it it's actually energy.
1: And so, yeah.
0: and we can call it emotions, we can call it energy. I just use those interchangeably. So that's the context. And the way I look at it is the human body. Is designed to disperse things throughout your entire body and your entire system, and remove waste. It's designed to do that. We can look at that as, you know, we have a circulatory system, we have a respiratory system, uh, a digestive system, um, a nervous system. I don't know if I already said that. We have all these, all these different systems. Like the main four I can think of, I think I just named. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. But anyway, we have all these systems, but what people don't actually realize is we have an energy system or an emotional system too. And just like how you can get a blood clot in your um, circulatory system, you can get an emotional clot or emotional block or an energy block. Yeah. And people can actually manipulate their energy. Okay? You with me yeah. so far? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so I am of the opinion, and I'm not the only one out there, and I and I have s- significant anecdotal evidence to back this up. Obviously, the VA is not going to come in here and fund my study so I can legally not practice yet. this, not right? Yet. Right, but yeah. <laughs> but I have significant anecdotal evidence to show that this is an actual thing, and I and I know that everybody that I've taught that is listening to this can say you know what? Yeah, you're right. We do have emotions and and we can feel them clogged. Like if I asked you, Joshua, do you, if you had like anxiety about something, you could probably sit there for a second and locate it in your body and Mm -hmm. find out where it lives in your body. Right. I would classify that as like an emotional block. So yeah, there's different methods to do this, but essentially what the metaphysical hip, spiritual hypnotist, Reiki healer, energy healer, whatever, what they're doing is they're trying to take that emotional blood clot and break it down and disseminate it throughout the entire body emotional system so that it, your body can naturally remove the waste of that energy or the excess energy that that causes. Mm-hmm. And what when I look at traditional therapy, I look at it like this. So your body will And I'm sure that you'll you'll agree with what I'm saying. Like we talked about this, like there's parallels. Yeah. Your body will record these traumas. Your body will record these energetic imprints or files or whatever. And I talked about this on my podcast with John Povey um, before this episode. And basically what they're doing in therapy is they're having people go in, open up the actual energetic imprint itself and grab it and start playing around with it but when you do that what you're doing is you're you're taking on that energy itself because energy can't necessarily be like destroyed just dispersed yeah but if there's a blockage it's not being dispersed it's just being there's more and more block it's like putting a, a boulder in a river and then you're building a dam behind it yeah so they're just pulling out this energy and it's and a lot of the time, that's I feel that that's why it takes so long is because you're playing in that energetic wound. The goal is to take that boulder out, and then uh-huh. safely disperse the all the water that built up behind the dam, yeah, and disperse it into the into the system that it was designed for. Uh-huh. And that's essentially what I look at it as. And I'm not. A lot of people will look at this, or a lot of like scientists will look at that as like, oh. That's a great mental exercise. That's a great mental visualization. I literally look at it as an energetic block in your body. And people have looked at this for thousands of years. If you look at the chakra systems,
1: yep. if you look I'll at
0: acupuncture, puncture, mass, uh-huh. you can see it. Like, it's yeah. there. It's, and, and one thing, like, one of the biggest pieces of evidence that I can find, if anybody out there is doubting this— In the chakra system, you have what's called a root chakra that's based at the base of your spine. And this has been taught for thousands and thousands of years, the root chakra. And that chakra is is responsible for making you feel safe and grounded in your physical body in this world. Now, thousands of years ago, they didn't have the complex medical um, equipment that we do today. And they didn't necessarily have any of that information. Yet, at the same spot where the, the root chakra sits is an actual nerve system called the vagus nerve.
1: Yep. <laughs> and if you yep.
0: and if you stimulate that by... Typically, it's stimulated by deep breathing, right? You can actually yep. stimulate that by, you know, sitting up straight and just deep, taking nice deep breaths. Diaphragmatic breathing, absolutely. Yep. Yep. That is stimulated and it makes you feel safe. And that sits exactly where that root chakra is classically depicted. So how did they know about that thousands of years ago and they didn't know that there was necessarily nerve endings there? Uh That's one thing that just kind of blew my mind when I learned it. I was like, whoa, no way. And so like all all this stuff, it kind of lines up and it's, it's really, I look at it as an actual literal thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. what are your thoughts on that? I don't know if that was like too big of a tangent or if there was like, a, there's a lot to uh, to unpack there, but.
1: No, 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 no. It's like, yeah, like what, what I've said like between you and I before, like, you know, you're using a different language, like in therapy speak, like what you're describing essentially, um, it's called like somatic experiencing or sensory mo- motor psychotherapy. So there's kind of two different ways of processing. There is top down, which is like, the top of your brain, basically using thoughts and then using thoughts to access your feelings and access your bodily, uh, your body, accessing your spirit. But basically I think therefore I am. Whereas like what you're describing is a bottom up processing, which is noticing your body where those, those blocks are. And then, paying attention to them and having having that awareness come up into a thought to be able to change those does that make sense
0: it does yeah absolutely okay. i know i'm picking up exactly what you're laying down i'm 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 yeah. i totally i get you.
1: okay cool because yeah like i'm 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 not i have a little bit of training and education and somatic experience but that's not like my forte but with with EMDR and, um, internal family systems, they do ask you, uh, some people are top-down processors, and some people are bottom-up. And so, you know, it's like, where is that in your body? Is it moving? What's, what's its shape? What's its quality? What's its color? Um, does it have words? Yeah. I mean, the body is extremely important. Um, but somewhere along the lines, you know, uh, we, Therapists, human beings Americans have forgotten that. Oh, so, so yeah, yeah, what
0: as a and and a question I wanna ask you is like and this is might be like I don't know if it's a complex question or if it's gonna be a complex answer. Uh, so there's the disconnect for me comes from I think in my opinion anyway, the disconnect is this, like the difference is that we in the bubble that I'm in, we understand consciousness differently or we perceive consciousness differently than the scientific oligarchy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, That's the word I would use to describe like the tenured scientists that run the scientific community yeah. is like the scientific oligarchy, the people who hold the tenure, the people who control the funding.
1: The power, those people, the resources, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Those people, they understand consciousness or perceive consciousness differently than we do. And because, and I do, and, and the way that I perceive consciousness is non locally, right? Um, does that make sense or do I? No, so I, no,
1: I, I, I don't, I don't understand. Okay, so, um, let's
0: see, are you familiar with the concept of materialism?
1: Uh, vaguely.
0: As far as like psychological materialism? Uh,
1: that basically has to do with like observable like possessions. No. That...
0: No. So I I I learned this when I went when I took the psychology class from Yale. Uh-huh. They essentially the, the, the concept of materialism is that because your brain can become damaged. And when you experience brain damage, your personality can change. It means that your consciousness is housed in your brain. Right? So when you die, your consciousness goes away because it's housed in the brain. And that's the first thing that they taught me when (laughs) when I took that class from Yale. They're like, yeah, so uh, there's, you know, your brain is is the seat of your consciousness, basically. Okay. That's a, com- that's a concept called local consciousness. Yeah. So essentially, like, you are your body, right? Yeah. Like, your whole existence is housed in your body. Well, we, in this kind of a bubble, look at it as a non-local consciousness, which essentially means that your brain acts as a receiver for your consciousness. And there actually is, if you look up the University of Virginia and um let's see Edgar Casey, Ian Stevenson um jeez there's so many institutes out there that do research and, and like actual research on this but the biggest one is uh, the University of Virginia and the uh, I'll link them all in the in the um in the show notes all these institutes and stuff so for anybody who wants to find them under consciousness research so you can go through and look at all these institutes but There's significant evidence to show that consciousness actually is non-local. And that's another conversation. But that's where I think the disconnect is, is the actual perception or understanding of consciousness. Um, Because in this space, we are totally cool with getting our buddy and sitting him down and being like, hey, let's go into hypnosis and just see what happens right Uh, you would never dream of probably doing that with a with a client who's experienced trauma you know that's like a that's like a oh no we shouldn't do that but like we're cool with like hey let's let's just see what happens man
1: right oh you're
0: you're a squirrel right now oh that's cool what's next right like we're totally cool with exploring that and so that what basically comes from that exploration and I've experienced this is people having knowledge that they shouldn't have. People having... And there's lots of theories for why that is. Some of it leads back to materialism. Some of it leads to other things. But basically, the understanding of consciousness is that we are basically a meat suit that receives a signal. Okay. Sort of. If I want to break it out into scientific terms. <laughs> and then the other one is we are nothing but the meat suit and after the meat suit dies we're gone forever we slip into the void our our consciousness disperses the electrical signals that are us are no longer there <clears throat> so that might be like if you had no understanding of that concept before might be this one might actually be <laughs> more to unpack but what's your thought like all of the teachings all of the education all of the oligarchy the scientific oligarchy they have a a local consciousness understanding, <laughs> and that's what I think the disconnect is. Like, if I had to narrow it down, I think that might be it. Would you Would you agree or disagree with that assessment?
1: Um, well, I'm still trying to like wrap my head around <laughs> you know local consciousness. Like, like when you were describing, like, "Oh, I'm a squirrel," like let's figure it out. My first thought in my head was like. How would I write that in a progress note? How would I justify that to to United Healthcare? Right. Well, this how how, how are you gonna get? How are you how gonna get?
0: How you gonna get
1: paid for this? <laughs>
0: yeah. How's insurance yeah. gonna cover this? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and that's exactly the problem. Is like, like these people—they're so clinically like—we have to figure out like how to deal with this meat suit.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: For lack of a better word, like we have to hey. figure out how to fix this broken meat suit Whereas, like me I'm like oh there's a block in your signal we need to yeah. fix your signal
1: yeah and that's yeah.
0: like the biggest difference I think and and me presenting it to you that way what's your thoughts
1: yeah I mean it'd be like how how could how could that be measured
0: right and that's the problem right that's the problem is we don't have well I'm sure we do have the technology to somehow quantify it. I I personally believe that it's quantifiable. I really, really do. But, uh-huh. I mean, like I said earlier, the VA is not going to dish out 70000 a $100,000 to do a research study on someone who's going through energy work or doing Reiki because they're like, that's a waste of time. We have yeah. real meat suits to fix here, you know?
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe if you package it in a, in a more concrete structured way they could get behind kind of you know pretty up some of the words because i mean emdr is you know it it seems kind of woo woo stuff but like they were able to you know manualize it and and use kind of these fancy words like oh yeah sure let's do it so it's like
0: yeah, and and that but, emdr stuff that's at the top of the rabbit hole man I, yeah, i'll tell you yeah, what. i know that's well, yeah, at the that's, very that's, tippy top. That's at the entrance.
1: <laughs> right, that's like tip of the iceberg. Like that's that's how I met you. It's like is is learning about EMDR and then starting to kind of go down the rabbit hole.
0: Yeah, man. It's it's kind of crazy and and like I like I like you were saying before. It sounds too good to be true based off of our meat suit understanding of the world. <laughs> it sounds too good to be true. It's like, "No, you can't You can't do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, like (laughs) people's like pride and ego are wrapped up in wanting to be right. Instead of pursuing the truth. People have, I mean, think about me. Like I've, I've been doing this for 10 years. I've invested probably tens of thousands of dollars in trainings and educations and it's like oh well there's this other stuff that you could have been doing all along that could have been more helpful it's like no i don't i don't want that to be true like that makes it's like i would feel like an idiot like i I know that that's not necessarily the case but like that's like a knee-jerk like selfish reaction of like Oh my God!
0: It's it's the ego thing, and you know you yeah. mentioned that before I started recording is like clients getting stuck in the ego, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, so yeah, and people get stuck in their ego all the time.
1: Absolutely, and yeah, like I'm a huge proponent of therapists seeing their own therapists or get doing their own work because you'll project your self limiting beliefs onto your your patients if you don't get that in check. I don't think you can get better in one session, then I'm not going to experiment with these type of things. So, so then it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: And in your 10 years, would you say that you have believed for the longest time that people can't really get better in one session? That's not really a thing for the most part, or would you disagree with that?
1: Um, so I think maybe before, I would think that people could get better in a session. That or they they get what they need to to get back to whatever level of functioning they're okay with. Um, but I think the level of difference, like a radical change within one session, no, I wouldn't have believed it.
0: Yeah, because you'd look at me and be like, "Dude, you're full of shit." Yeah. You're you, Ian, are in your own ego. You're trying to get. You're trying to get famous. You're trying to. You're trying to get money from people. You're a scammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there too, man. I really was. Like, because when I was, I've mentioned this before. I grew up Mormon, right? Uh I went from like full on, all in Mormonism, right? Uh Like, worshiping Joseph Smith. to gods there's no god there's you know we 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 are the meat suit i'm never going to see my family again after we die and once i die i'm slipping into the void and then i slowly started looking at the evidence-based stuff and that's Uh kind of how i try to present my content too and like these concepts is is like from a, a practical point of view like like from point A to point B, I try to be the middle ground because there's some people, like I said, there's no way we, when we die, we slip into nothingness. And then there's people that are like, oh, yeah, we're totally like fairies and stuff too. Right? We're fairies riding dragons in the Milky Way, which is a sleeping giant. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just coming up with that stuff. But there's like woo woo people, like they're. There's seriously, like, some, like, way far out people out there. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, But, like, if there's anything that's going to get – if anything's going to actually get done and there's going to be a serious understanding of this stuff, you have to have some people like me who approach it from the middle ground. And that's kind of what I try to do here. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And it took me a long time. So I totally understand, like, that train of thought of, like, there's no way. But then you look a little closer and you're like, actually, why haven't we been doing this forever?
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, I I guess I kind of see like the pendulum kind of like swinging back and forth. It's like, oh, there's no way. And then it's like, oh, yeah, there's, uh, that's the only way. And, and so like, yeah, like that post and everything kind of helped kind of swing the pendulum back to like, yeah, you can. But it's also kind of limited in some ways too. Like, well, I guess kind of like with hypnosis and stuff like that. But like, there's, there's, there's a middle ground. So like, being able to find that and go to the extremes to figure out where where that middle lies.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I like that a lot. Well, you know, we've been. I I feel like we've made some serious progress, Joshua.
1: Yeah. You yeah. Know, I
0: mean, we're just two dudes. I'm not in the scientific oligarchy
1: and i'm not in the spiritual anarchy
0: anarchy <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> well,
0: that's that's not i'm offended no i'm just kidding i'm not offended well um geez it's, i don't it, even know where to go from here Chaotic.
1: It, to me, i mean
0: well right it, w- it would seem chaotic to you because it's like you paid all this money for education and and it's there's like steps you have to follow yeah i get you man i'll have to do one of these days i'll have to show you a session like yeah how i would approach it and and we'll and we'll report back right yeah i
1: i i have i have a good feeling like the things that you do are probably pretty similar to some things therapists do
0: no there is there's a lot of overlap it's just yeah really it's the understanding and one thing that I'll mention before we kind of wrap things up is like when you when you look at energy work, like humans emit energy.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. You can measure it already through EMF meters, electromagnetic e- yes. frequency meters. Yep. I'm sure you've, you're familiar with those. Uh-huh. Lots of other ways that we like heat. We yep. emit all kinds of different energies, but also when we when we're interacting with each other, we emit. Um, I'll just call it emotional frequencies. Yeah, and our understandings of things, like like your understanding of, like you said, you could project that, and that energetic frequency of that projection or whatever you want to say it is, can affect the direction that your session is going to take. So if if we would if we could quantify it, it would be the best thing. But if like if. If the therapists out there would start to understand that there is this energetic network inside of you, you can call it the chakra system, you can call it whatever you want. But uh-huh. if therapists would start to understand that there is this actual, I believe it's quantifiable energy system and that we that we are non-locally conscious, then I think that we would make some more significant progress.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that'd be a really awesome step. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm I'm vibing with with what you're saying, and I I think a lot of therapists would would believe that too. Um, yeah, it's just getting 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 people to uh, I keep coming back to capitalism, buy into it. Like,
0: yeah, getting people to buy into it, getting people to take the time out of their day to listen to it,
1: and and be able to swallow their ego or their pride and. I'll explore something that might be a little different
0: exactly and in the spirit of exploration and coming across new things and new content joshua you have a website uh-huh. you're getting your name out there as a content creator let's what do you got going on let's talk about you for a second
1: yeah, so I'm leaving a group practice, and I'm opening up my own private practice. Uh, website is Um Yeah, trying to figure out my voice uh, and make you know, mental health and therapy accessible to everybody. So.
0: Beautiful. And is that the same place where you have your blog and stuff, or do you publish that yeah. in other places?
1: Yeah, yeah, the blog, blog is there. Um, thinking about either doing other sources of content, podcasts, videos, not sure yet. Not sure. We'll see what happens.
0: Right on, man. Links to everything that I talked about today that I mentioned there would be links for will be found in the description. And Joshua, I'm totally going to put you on the spot, man. Do you have a message that you could leave or that you would like to leave for my audience?
1: Um, well, I, I remember what I had said to you, uh, when we had our 15-minute uh, phone conversation uh, about religion being the defense mechanism of the religious experience. And th- some of the best things in life can't be put into words or thoughts. It is what it is. Feel what you feel. Know what you know. Be what you be.
0: That's a fantastic message, Joshua. Thank you so much for coming on my show and having this you conversation. Yeah. This is awesome. It was awesome. It was seriously, I feel like these last few episodes, I've been all over the place. But then I listened back to it and I'm like, you know what, I, I had something going there. So thanks so much for indulging me and having this weird, crazy, mind-boggling conversation. You're you're seriously a champ, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on my show.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you too. Yeah, we should do it again.
0: That's it for today's episode. I would like to thank Joshua for coming on to my show and I would also like to thank you for tuning in. If you're in the Indiana area and you want some therapy, definitely head over to Joshua Terhune. He is a super rad dude and knows exactly what he's talking about. Links to his site and the other stuff that I mentioned in today's episode can be found in the description, as well as that Facebook self-love fest. <laughs> the Facebook's self-love post. Show yourself some love. Damn it. You deserve it. You're worth it, and you need to start telling yourself that you're awesome. Don't forget to follow me in your podcast player so you don't miss the notifications when I upload every other week on Sundays at 8 a.m. Mountain Time. Don't forget to share the podcast with everybody that you know in the entire world, and don't forget to give me a great rating and a great review. And if you want to come on the podcast to talk about your spiritual experience or your knowledge on any metaphysical topic, Shoot me an email. My email is session at gmail.com, and I would love to have you on the show.
1: sense cool yeah all
0: right man i'm gonna eat one more chocolate covered coffee bean before i get too wired oh,
1: right.
0: it was like gross the first time i had it i was like oh my god i was like mm, ew oh this is uh ew. this is disgusting
1: ugh. <laughs> it was like, oh this i can't stop <laughs> this ugh. is terrible can't stop this the worst thing ever <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i put it. on the I- floor yeah, like for like chocolate recipes, if you just add like a sprinkle of either like coffee grounds or instant coffee, like it helps kind of accentuate the flavor. I don't
0: yeah, know. I'm a coffee fiend. Oh, really? Oh yeah, man. Nice. I'm an absolute. I'm an absolute monster when it comes <laughs> to coffee. to drink like six cups a day. It was very unhealthy.
1: Oh yeah. Dang. Yeah. Six cups. Wow.